0: Of verses out here at you today. Um, Last week we we talked about um, the one thing. You know, we talked about how that um, you know there's there's when we get our focus right. When we get our focus right, and we we focus on that one thing, which that one thing is is uh, you can always sum it up easily. Just to say that one thing is Jesus. When we get our focus right, uh, you know, the one thing that we focus on and the one thing that we that we keep our attention on will always uh, will always bring us success if, it's, if that one thing is Jesus. You know, this week, uh, at the first of the week, the Lord, the Lord instructed me to, to go on a three-day fast. And um, I told you guys that last week, and, and I spent, you know, we got, I don't know, 20-some prayer requests in, and, and I was praying over them for those three days that I was fasting. And, and I kept hearing the Lord, uh, I, I just kept hearing Him say this. Like, every time I would, I would, be, I would be praying, and, I, you know, I had some other stuff to do during the day, so I would kind of leave and I spent a lot of time quite a bit of time up here praying and uh, but I just kept hearing the Lord say, "Stephen, spend some more time with me. Spend some more time with me." And you know, it never was the, the awesome thing about that invitation was this. And that's exactly what it was. it was. It was an invitation. It wasn't a it wasn't a guilt trip. It wasn't a uh, it wasn't him condemning me because I wasn't praying enough. It was just like it was just like I kept hearing him say, you know the answers are in my presence. You know, spend some more. If, if if you got questions, come into my presence and talk to me. And you know, so so I kept, I, you know, and I, so I kept hearing him just say, "Spend some more time with me. Spend some more time with me." So, um, so as I was praying over some of the prayer requests that I had, and and, and I was praying over the, the church and and everyone as well, um, but but I I, heard, I kept I just kept hearing him say. I just kept hearing him say, uh, you know, about about just spend time with me, and and just get in my presence, and let me let me show you some things, you know. So so I so I just uh, I, I love the presence of the Lord, and I I preach on the presence and talk about you know staying in His presence a lot, but I had never done this. I just I, so I, I was studying one night, and uh, I just typed the word presence in my concordance. I I do a lot on my on the uh, on my computer. And the word presence shows up 110 times in the New Testament. No, I mean, I'm sorry, 110 times in the entire Bible. And now, of course, some of those, some, all of those weren't necessarily talking about the presence of the Lord, but, but they were just talking about, you know, being in the presence of other people and stuff. But something like, uh, I think, I think I can't, if I counted right, it was something like 38 or 39 times it talked about being in the presence of the Lord. And so I started looking at some of those references, and uh, and let me just—I want to read just a couple—a couple to you. I've got like four or five here, and you can just jot these down. I don't know if they'll be able to keep up or not, but but just listen to a couple because this is an interesting. This really got me really thinking about what the presence of the Lord is, what it looks like, uh, what it means. But listen to and and I, this just really starts in Genesis and comes through some of the some of the Old Testament, and then we'll get into the New Testament as we. Minister some this morning, but but in Genesis three eight, uh, the scripture says this, and they and this is talking about Adam and Eve. says They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. So you can hide from the presence, isn't that something? Genesis four six, talking about Cain and Abel said this, and Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. So you can hide from the presence of God and you can leave the presence of God. Man, that's, I mean, you know, when you start thinking about it in terms like that, that's an interesting concept. Exodus 33, this is Moses uh, talking to God and, and, and uh, God told him this in Exodus thirty-three fourteen, And God said, My presence shall go with you. And I will give you rest. So God's, God said that His presence would go. Moses, the next very next verse, Exodus 33, 15, Moses said this, he says, Well, if your presence does not go, then don't take us. Then don't leave. You know, so Moses knew the, the power of His presence. Later on, Moses even said this. Moses, Moses in, in that conversation with God, in that same passage there, Moses asked God the question. He says, he says God, he said, what, he said, what differentiates us from every other nation on the face of the earth? What makes us different than every nation? And Moses' answer was this. He said, is that your presence is with us. That's what makes... He said, that's what makes... Moses said, that's what makes the children of Israel different than every other nation, is the fact that your presence is with us. That's the reason Moses said, so if your presence don't go with us then don't take us. Then we're not leaving. You know, we're staying right here. Because that's the very thing that, that makes us different than every other nation. And can I tell you all this? That's still a true statement today. The very thing that makes you different than the entire world is that you have God living on the inside of you. Man, that's powerful. Church, come on. First Chronicles 16 1 Chronicles 16, verse 27 says this: Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. You want some strength? You want some you want you want to be around the glory and around the honor of the Lord and have gladness? It's in his presence. Here's another one, Psalm 16. This is a good one. Psalm 1611, now David, David knew something about the presence of the Lord. He talked about it a lot. Now check this out. David said in Psalm 1611, he said, uh, he said, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So in his presence there's fullness of joy. Not just a little bit of joy, not just joy every once in a while, but fullness of joy. You know, if you take a a, a a bottle, I've got a bottle here with, with water in it, and it's not full, but I could take it and I could pour more water into it, and once it gets full, you can't get any more full, you can't pour any more water in it, it just spills out, right? Well, he said this, he said when you enter into his presence, when you're in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. In other words, you can't be any more full of joy except you can't be any you can't have any more joy than when you're in the presence of the Lord. That's incredible. Later on David said this in Psalm 95. He said he said, "Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, so we can come we can come before the presence of the Lord with thanksgiving and praise." Psalm 100 in verse 2, we know know this verse very well. It says, serve the Lord with gladness and come before His presence with singing. So we can come, we can bring thanksgiving, we can come singing, we can come worshiping, we we can have fullness of joy. Listen, there's benefits to learning to walk in the presence of the Lord. You know, listen listen to this Psalm 103. This is from the Passion Translation. I don't think we have the Passion up there, so I'll just have to read this. The Passion transit. talking about benefits, because I wrote that term down when I was writing this down, when I was just studying this, uh, the word benefits come up, you know, and I just thought, man, there's benefits. I wrote down, I said, Lord, there's benefits to being in your presence, to learning to walk in the presence of the Lord. Now, and you might say, well, Pastor, I thought we'd been talking about the supernatural. Well, what, what did we say the supernatural was? I mean, in in the simplest definition, what have we labeled the supernatural all year for six months? This this is the first Sunday of the second half of the year, so the, I guess this would be the 27th Sunday of the year. Half half of 2019's gone, and for for 26 weeks thereabouts. I mean, I hadn't ministered every single week, but for most the majority of those weeks, we've talked about the supernatural. We've talked about what it is to. To live in the supernatural and to have faith for the supernatural to, to to talk in the supernatural. You know, we've looked at all kinds of different aspects of the supernatural. But what if we narrowed it down to basically this simple definition, and and this is the simplest way you can probably define this, but we narrowed it down to say this that, that the supernatural just means anything that involves God. So we could say it this way, really. We could we could turn that around and, and talk since we're talking about his presence here today, we could turn around and say this, that the supernatural is really just being in His presence. Amen. Right? If it involves God, it's going to be supernatural. Well, when we get in His presence, all of a sudden the supernatural is there. Amen. We are in the supernatural. <laughs> and the supernatural is with us because we're in His presence. Amen. But there's benefits. As I, was writing, as I was just studying and writing some of these references down, I just wrote down, I put there's benefits to being in the presence of God. I said, what are the benefits of the presence of God? And of course, the I thought of this scripture in Psalm 103. And for the sake of time, I'll just read it from the Passion Translation. The Passion Translation says it this way. Um, and this is Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. It says, with my whole heart, with my whole life, and with my innermost being... I bow in wonder and love before you, the holy God. Yahweh, you are my soul's celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness you've done for me? You kissed my heart with forgiveness in spite of all that I've done. You've rescued me from hell and you've saved my life. You've crowned me with love and mercy. You satisfy me with every desire with you satisfy my every desire with good things. You supercharged my life so that I soar again like a flying eagle in the sky. Man, isn't that powerful? Now the, the King James, just so you'll know why I read that, the King James just says this in Psalm 103, uh, especially verse verse uh, two, he says this. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. So there's benefits to being in the presence of God. There's benefits to being able to learn how to walk in the supernatural. There's benefits when you get God involved in every part of your life. There's benefits there. Well, what are a couple of the benefits? I just wrote down a couple this morning. And uh, and then we're going to look at uh, a couple of scriptures in the New Testament. But... But think about this. In Isaiah, I had you turn to Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26, verse number 3, says this. It says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in you. The uh, The Amplified says it this way, You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace, whose mind, both in its inclination and its character, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you, he leans on you, and he hopes confidently in you. So if, so, when, when you have your mind set on God, and we can say it this way, when you get God involved in your life, right? As we're saying the same thing. What did he say God will do? What, what's the benefits of getting God involved in your life? He says here that He will keep you in perfect peace. Now, He didn't say that you'll just have peace. You know, there's a difference between having peace and being in perfect peace. I mean, does you, you, anybody know what I'm talking about? You can, have, you can have a little bit of peace, you know, just because everything's... Because all, all the hell that's been going on around you, you know, it's kind of died down a little bit. Oh, I'm a, well, there's a little bit of peace right now. That's a whole lot different than saying you've got perfect peace, where there's no waves, there's no wind. You know, I think of the I think of the story where Jesus is out on the out, out in the the ocean with his uh, with his disciples, and the the winds blowing, and and the storms raging, and and they come and wake him up, and they said, "Don't you care that we're going to die?" You know, and Jesus goes up and, and, and I love the, the message translation. It says Jesus goes up and, and he, says, he says, Peace! Be still! And it says that the wind ran out of breath. Amen. And it says that the sea became as, as still as glass. That was perfect peace. In other words, the way, you know, I mean, we've all probably all been out on the sea and, and maybe been in rough waters and, and, you know, you can imagine the wind blowing and the, the waves crashing and, and, you know, you're going up and down and, and man, it can get, you know, it, it could probably be pretty tough at times. But then all of a sudden, Jesus just says, peace! And all of a sudden, the wind just goes, Whoo! Every wave just disappears and the boat's just sitting there perfect peace you see when when we get god involved in our lives he doesn't just change a little stuff he doesn't just he doesn't just calm things down a little bit if we allow him to and if we will if we will constantly keep him involved in our lives he will bring perfect peace into our lives come on now now you know i I can hear i can hear some of your thoughts Oh, now, Pastor, that's just you know that that's I know that that's Old Testament scripture, and that's just too good to be true. Well, listen, you either believe His word or you don't. And if you don't believe it, then you know what? You won't have perfect peace. Now, does that mean that there'll never be storms? I didn't say that. I just said when the storms do come, that God that God comes and brings peace in the storm. There's a big difference. The storms will be there. You can't help but have storms. you know. But thank God for a roof that when it does rain, you can get in out of the rain. That's right. And that's kind of like God's peace. Even when the storm is blowing, you can get into a place that you're safe. Amen. Amen. And He can bring perfect peace even in the midst of a storm. What about this? What? And we read this verse, but what about Psalm 1611? And, and, and I'll read it again, but Psalm 1611, another benefit of peace is this. That will, show, that will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So another benefit of getting God involved in your life is having joy in your life at all times. Amen. Now see, here's, here's, the, here's the problem we run into. As, we, as we're talking about this, perfect peace, fullness of joy, I can hear the, the wheels turning. Well, I wish that was true in my life. See, so what you're telling me is this. What you're saying is, you're, you haven't been in the presence of God long enough. It's not God's fault. Because in His presence is fullness of joy, and He brings perfect peace. If you don't have fullness of joy and you don't have perfect peace, could it be that you've kind of stepped out of his presence a little bit? And the more, the more the the less peace and the less joy you have, could it be you've stepped out a little bit further? And a little bit further. And a little bit further. And then all of a sudden we're saying, God, where are you? God, don't you care that I'm over here drowning? And he's saying, the invitation's here. Come. Come spend some time with me. Well, I'll show you this verse. you don't like those, I'll show you this one. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Now, I love this. This is from the message translation. Uh, We'll put put this up there in the message because this one is awesome. Matthew 11, verse 28. Another benefit. Another benefit to uh to the presence of God is that there's rest. Now this is a uh I love this from the message translation. Listen to this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Anybody ever feel that way? I'll throw up both hands, right? Been tired, wore out, burned out on religion? Listen to what Jesus says. Come to me. Get away with me. What's he talking? Come get in the presence of God. Come spend some time in His presence. What will it do for you? He asks the question, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on, on religion? Doing it your own way? Are you tired of, of getting the same results you've got your entire life? Then Jesus says, Hey, let me tell you a secret. Come come on. Come spend some time with me. Come get away with me for a minute. Put all that stuff down. Turn the TV off. Put all everything down and just come hang out with me for a minute. He says, come away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Verse 29. Walk with me, and work with me. Watch how I do it. Now notice, both of those, walk with me, work with me. In other words, we're still in His presence. We're walking with Him. We're, we're working with Him. We're co-laboring with Him. The Bible, the Bible uses that term that we're co-laborers with God. He never, he never intended for us to do it in our own strength and our own ability. He wants, he wants us to co-labor with Him. <clears throat> so walk with, walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn, now, I love this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Verse 30. Keep company with me. There it is again. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You see, in all, in, in all three of those verses, did you see how many times he said it? Come get away with me. Walk with me. Work with me. Spend some time with me. Keep company with me. You know, I I have uh, I'm not the best at uh, being. Sometimes uh, I don't know how to how do how do you say that right, Lord? Um, I, I'll use this term, but but uh, I'm not the best at being brutally honest with people. Sometimes, you know, because sometimes people will come up to me and they'll say they'll say, "Well, Pastor, you know." Uh, I've got this problem, maybe, maybe it's a sickness, maybe it's a, a financial need, maybe it's a, an addiction, um, you know, it could be whatever, I mean, it could be anything. And, uh, and, I'll, and I always ask this question, I always like, well, how much, how much time have you spent with the Lord? How much time have you prayed? Oh, well, I took, I took 30 minutes and prayed about it, but I'm just not seeing the results. I just, it just don't work for me. And, you know, and, and the question that really needs to be asked is this, you know, are you satisfied with the amount of time that you spend in the word and in prayer compared to what you're asking the Lord for? Wow. So in other words, if you if if you've got sickness in your body, are you really satisfied? Do you think you've spent enough time with him in his presence to get the answers you need to to learn how to walk in in healing? Now, I know it's not about works. I, I, I have people, oh, well, Pastor, I don't believe in works. I believe in grace. Well, I do too. But did you, did you, re- did you read the Scripture we just put up there? Come walk with me. Come work with me. Yeah. Come watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. See, see how to walk this life out. Yeah. Come get away with me. I'll show you how to do it freely and lightly. See, there's still a part we play. There's still, there's, we still have to spend the time with Him. We still have to get in His presence. We still have to get away with Him, to walk with Him, to work with Him, to, to spend time with Him. So one of the first questions we all need to ask ourselves is this, am I really satisfied with the amount of time that I've been putting into my relationship? A lot of people get mad at God. A lot of people get upset with God. A lot of people are like, oh well, I tried that and it just didn't work. But if you if you really if you compare the time that they put into that versus the time they put into Facebook or Twitter or their favorite hobby or their favorite pastime, it don't even compare. I, I saw I saw I, I was listening to the uh, radio the other day and a guy was talking about that. He put a he put a app on his phone. To show how much time he spent on his phone during the day, and he said every week he, uh, like every Sunday at 6 p.m. or something, he said he gets a an alert to show him how much time he spent on his phone, and he said he was shocked to to see that his average that week, that first week he had put that app on his phone, the average that he, the average amount of time he spent on his phone was something like six and a half hours a day. Now, we think, well, I, oh, I'm just checking Facebook for a minute. I'm just checking my email for a minute. Now, some, some people have to work on their phone. and I mean, I, you know, and, and so some people, are by just because of default, they're going to be on it more. But I almost guarantee you, if, if we, if we, if we had that app to show how much time we spent on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever, I mean, all the latest doodads, and then and then we and then we turn that around and compare it to how much time we spend in his presence. I wonder which one would win. And then we wonder then we wonder, well, how come my life's kinda kinda off balance a little bit? God, why aren't you doing anything in my life? Well, we're spending three and four hours a day on Facebook and about twenty minutes with God at the most. Come on. Now listen. Now listen. If we know, if we know there's fullness of joy, if we know there's perfect peace, if we know there's rest and learning to do things without without struggling and learning to do things the way he does things, and all of those things are in his presence then why in the world would we want to do anything else than to put everything down and say, God, I just want to spend time with you. Come on, I'm preaching to myself this morning too. Amen, Pastor. I agree. Amen. I mean, because I, I'm preaching to myself. Here's another one. One more, and then and then I want to show you, I want to I wanna I want to show you some things here. Um So we looked at at, there's peace in His presence, there's joy in His presence, there's rest in His presence. What about this one in Proverbs chapter 2? Turn to Proverbs chapter 2. Oh, y'all thought those were fun. This one's even better. (laughs) Buckle up, right? Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 2, and the first couple of verses from, uh, from the King James says this, My son, if you will receive my words and hide my commandments with you, so that, so that you will incline your ear unto, my wisdom, unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding, yes, if you will cry after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding, If you seek her as silver, and you search for her as for hidden treasures, then shall you understand the fear of the Lord. And then you will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of His mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He lays up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. But did you notice how you get that? The first couple verses. If you'll receive my words, hide my commandments with you, incline your ear unto wisdom, apply thy heart to understand. In other words, what does all that imply? Spending time with Him. You, you don't learn. Any of you that has taken college courses or even high school, I mean, you know, if you remember back in high school days or college days, or you're even trying to learn something new at work. You get a new computer program or you get, you know, a new system or you get a new job and you have to learn something. Guess what? It takes time to learn that new stuff. You've got to apply yourself or you'll never learn it. Yeah. The Passion Translation there, again, I like this from this verse. I'll read this just real quick. From Proverbs chapter 2, the Passion Translation says it this way, My child, will you treasure my wisdom? What a question. Will you treasure... My wisdom is what God is asking us. Then and only then will you acquire it. Will you treasure God's wisdom? Because until you treasure it, until you search for it like like it's a lost treasure, that's the only time you're going to find it. In other words, it don't just happen just passing by. So he says, my child, will you treasure my wisdom? Then and only then will you acquire it. And only if you accept my advice and hide it within you will you succeed. So train your heart to listen when I speak. And open your spirit wide to expand your discernment. Then pass it on to your sons and daughters. Yes, cry out for comprehension and intercede for insight. For if you keep seeking it like a man would seek for sterling silver, searching in hidden places for cherished treasure, then you will discover the fear of the Lord, and you'll find the true knowledge of God. Now listen to this: wisdom is a gift from a generous God, and every word He speaks is full of revelation, and it becomes a fountain of understanding within you. Did you did you hear that? Every word He speaks is full of revelation. One word. Brother Copeland's got all those books out. One word from God can change your life. Every word God speaks is full of revelation. And it becomes a fountain of understanding within you. For the Lord has a hidden storehouse of wisdom made accessible to His godly lovers. He becomes your personal bodyguard as you follow His ways, protecting and guarding you as you choose what is right. Mm. Man, isn't that awesome? So the benefits of being in His presence, peace, joy, rest, wisdom. And just let me just simply ask you that question. Are we seeking it? It doesn't cost anything, except for your time. It's not you can't say, well, I don't have enough money. You can't say, you know, well, I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. I was, you know, I don't have the opportunity other people have. No, all it's going to cost you is to put down something, and to say, Lord, I I, I cherish your, I, I I cherish your wisdom, I cherish your peace, your rest, your joy. Come on, man. That's awesome. And that's what that's what walking in the supernatural will do for you. And and what are the benefits of that? When you get that, what what changes in your life? Let me show you, let me show you one example from the New Testament. I believe this will will bear this out. Because you see, here here is here is the uh, here's where we are, okay? You, You don't just walk in the supernatural. In other words, you don't do it passively. You don't just, by mistake, stumble into the supernatural. It's a choice. It's it's a choice to get God involved in our lives. It's a choice to act spiritual instead of carnal. It's an act to talk spiritual instead of talking carnal. Let let, let me show you. Let me show you. Turn to uh, Mark chapter 6. This okay? Y'all doing all right? Mark chapter 6. And we'll just start with verse 45. Verse 45 says this. And straightway, Mark 6, verse 45, straightway... He constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before uh, to go to the other side before unto Bethesda while he sent away the people now just so you'll know what happened here in the in the previous verses is where uh, is where he fed the five thousand people he just fed at least five thousand probably probably more like ten or twelve thousand but but uh but he fed the five thousand the five thousand men. Plus women and children as well and so so you know so there's a huge crowd I mean, could you imagine you know you just you see this you see this uh, uh you see this miracle, and could you imagine the atmosphere? could you imagine the buzz that's happening you know in this in this crowd of thousands of people you know so so they just finished eating, Jesus finished ministering to them, so it's getting it's getting night time, it's getting close to dark. And Jesus tells His disciples, He says He constrained them. He said, and a straight way, He constrained them. That word constrained just means he, he insisted. He said, you know, listen guys, you guys get in the boat and go to the other side. Go to Bethesda and I'll meet you over there. And He said, I'm going to dismiss the crowd. I'm going to, I'm going to send them on their way and we'll meet up on the other side of the sea. On the other side of the shore there. So, so the disciples get in the boat. It says, and when, he, and when he had sent them away, when Jesus had sent the crowd away, he departed unto the mountain to pray. And when evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and Jesus was alone on the land. And he saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, which would be about three or four o'clock in the morning, between 3 and 6 o'clock. So so this is, you know, so he sent them away before dark, and they've been, they've been battling this storm. They got out on the sea. The storm came up. They've been rowing. And if any of you have ever been in a rowboat and rowed and, and, and having to do it by hand, they didn't have a motor. They, their arms were their motor. They were rowing. That means they've been out here for probably six to eight hours battling this storm. I mean that's I mean that's a long time. So it says about you know about the third watch of the night, Jesus comes unto them, walking upon the sea. So so Jesus you know get the picture here before we read the rest of this. Jesus they just saw this miracle of the multiplication of food, and and the, the multitude got fed here. Jesus Jesus told his disciples, guys get in get in the boat, go over to the other side. I'll meet you over there, and probably now. My mind would immediately think I would be asking him, "How are you going to get over there?" If we're taking the boat, you know, how how are you going to meet us over there? But they, I mean, we don't have record of them asking that. They just obey Jesus. They jump in the boat. They start rowing. Jesus dismisses the crowd, sends everybody home. He goes up in the mountain to pray. Uh, John, in John's account of this, it says that that Jesus. Uh, well, actually, this account does too, but it says that Jesus saw them. He was up on the mountain praying. He looked out. Now, now, let me. I'll just throw this question out there. How did He see them if it was 4 o'clock in the morning and a storm was blowing and they're in the middle of the sea? Well, He saw them in the Spirit. He wasn't looking with natural eyes. Don't you want to be like Jesus? You see, He didn't, he didn't look at the storm the same way the disciples looked at it. I guarantee you the disciples were in the middle of this storm rowing and, and, and praying and doing everything they knew to do, just hoping that they get to the other side. I mean, they're battling for their life right here. And at 4 o'clock in the morning, while they're sitting here rowing and battling, the Bible just, just I love how it just nonchalantly says, and Jesus came to them, walking on the water. In the middle of the storm, Jesus just, He says, okay, said, I want to, I'll get over there and see what I can do. And just takes off walking on the top of the water and just walks over there. Now, I love this next phrase. Listen to this. Man, this is so powerful right here. Verse 48. So Jesus saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night He comes unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. So they're here battling this storm Rowing as hard as they can row, Jesus is doing what he told them to do. He's just going to the other side. And he's just walking. And he would have walked by them if they didn't say anything to him. Now, why would Jesus do that? Didn't he see them struggling? Didn't he see them having a hard time, you know, fighting the fighting the rowing and and you know and the and the man, they're 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 wore out and here Jesus comes walking, and He's just going to walk by them. What's up with that? Because, listen, Jesus had already given them instructions to go to the other side. And once He gives the instructions, He empowers you to do what He told you to do. And He expects you to do it. Jesus is not going to keep giving you instructions if you don't follow the previous instructions. What was his instructions? Go to the other side. I'll see you over there. Well, they're out here battling this storm, and now, and, and now you're going to see. I mean, there's so much in this story, but I, I, I just want to get to one thing here. I, 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 let me get. Let me read some more here. So, so it says that he 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 came upon walking on the sea, came to them, and would have passed them by. It says, but when they saw him walking upon the sea they supposed it was a spirit, and they cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately, when Jesus saw that they were troubled and that they cried out, immediately Jesus talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Now what a, what a statement. They're battling, they're, they've, been fighting this, they've been fighting this storm for hours, they're wore out, They're they're wondering if they're ever going to make it to the other side, and all of a sudden here comes Jesus walking on the water. Now we we kinda say, Oh yeah, well that was Jesus. Well, guess what? They had never seen Jesus walking on water. They thought he was a spirit. They thought he was a ghost. They didn't know what it was. So they did they did exactly what any of us would have done. You know what they did? Ah! What is it? Oh my goodness. So they cried out. The Amplified says the Amplified says uh, in verse fifty, it says, When they saw him, they were agitated, troubled, and filled with fear and dread. <laughs> and verse forty nine, yeah, verse forty nine says, But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and raised a deep, throaty shriek of terror. <laughs> so, I mean they did they, they said. Ah! You know, and it says they were filled with fear and, and they, they were agitated, troubled, and filled with fear and dread. But immediately, but immediately, the Amplified says, immediately he talked with them, and he said, Take heart, I am. Stop being alarmed and afraid. The, the King James just said he told him, he says, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. So Jesus told him, He told him, says, Cheer up. Now, how would you take it? Now, let me just ask you this question. If you came to my office, and you came to my office and you poured your heart out, you told me about all your troubles, how, how hard things were, man, it was been the hardest six months of your life, you've been, you know, you've been to every doctor, your bank account's depleted, you're in so much pain, you know, there's, nobody's got an answer, nobody knows what's happening, they say you're going to die. They, I mean, they, you know, the worst case scenario, you take 30 minutes to pour your heart out. And I just look at you and say, cheer up! <laughs> you would probably, you'd probably say, didn't you just hear the last 30 minutes? You know, you want me to cheer up? You know, but that's exactly what Jesus said. Jesus said, be a good cheer! Amen. Now listen. Here's, here's the point I want to make. And, and, and the rest of that story goes like this. He told them, cheer up, be a good cheer. And he said, uh, uh, verse 51 says, And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and they wondered. For, now look, look at verse 52. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves that had just happened on the, on the seashore, for their heart was hardened. Now John's account is very interesting and and just turn over to John's account, John 6 just real quick. John chapter 6 because I want to show you one thing that John's account says that that Mark kind of leaves out and Mark just he just kind of nonchalantly said, well, and then they end up getting on the other side of the you know, the other side of the uh the the sea there. But John did say, I mean, Luke or, or Mark did say, he said, you know, as soon as Jesus stepped in the ship, the wind calmed down, the wind stopped. And it says then, you know, they were all sore amazed, sore, sorely afraid. But it, look, at, look in uh, John's account, John chapter 6, the very last verse, verse 21, the very last verse of this, of this uh, story. And verse 20 said, And Jesus said unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then verse 21, look at this, this is awesome. Then they willingly received him into the ship and immediately the ship was at the land where they were going. The amplified says, the amplified says, and now the boat went at once to the land that they had steered toward, and immediately they reached the shore toward where they had been slowly making their way. Now we're talking about supernatural. We're talking about getting God involved in our lives. We're talking about that it doesn't just happen, the supernatural doesn't just happen because, because God said that something would happen. There's a part we play in this, okay? If what you're doing, if what you have done your entire life has never changed anything, then don't you agree that it's time you might start doing something else? What Jesus was teaching them here was this. Mark tells us that, that the reason Jesus, the reason that, that they ran into the trouble was because they didn't consider the miracle of the loaves. Well, what was the miracle of the loaves? The miracle of the loaves is simply this. The miracle of the loaves was that when God tells you to do something, He empowers you to do it. Right. Because the, the story of the miracle of the loaves wasn't, it wasn't, now this, a lot of people don't realize this, it wasn't that Jesus multiplied the food. The Bible says that Jesus blessed the food, He blessed the bread, gave it to His disciples, and they went out, and as they handed it out, the food multiplied. So the food multiplied in whose hands? In the disciples' hands. Now Jesus had blessed it, He had empowered it, And then He gave it to the disciples and says, now go feed the thousands. They took the food. Could you you imagine being one of the disciples that day? And every time you break a loaf in two and hand it to them, you look back down and the loaf grew back. And they just kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. Same thing with the fish. Kept doing it. The fish kept growing a head back. Kept growing a tail back. Until, until everybody was filled and there was plenty left over. Now, what's the, what's the, what, what's the moral of that story? And why, why did that, how does that relate to a, uh, to a storm on the middle of the sea? What Jesus was trying to show them was this. When He gives us direction, He empowers you to do what He told you to do. He told them to, he told them to go feed the people, so they broke the bread, broke the fish, did whatever, and, and everybody got fed. Here He told them to go to the other side. They should have stepped up and spoke to that storm and said that storm will not stop us. We're going to the other side. And the reason Jesus would have passed them by was because He already told them what to do. And why would He tell them to do it again if they didn't listen the first time? Jesus was just showing them what He wanted them to do. Jesus was going to the other side. He was walking on water. But now here's what I want you to see. We have to refuse to agree with the natural man and start agreeing with the supernatural. Because here, here's, what, here's what they were doing. They agreed, you know, because, because when Jesus told them, be of good cheer, that wasn't the natural thing to do. Right? I mean, they've been battling, they've been rowing, they've been, they've been fighting this storm, and, and the natural thing wasn't to be happy and rejoicing. The natural thing was to throw a hissy fit and cry and have a pity party because we're about to die. Jesus don't care for us. He, he threw us out here on this ocean and we're about to die. Jesus walked, would, would have passed them by if they didn't call out for Him. But when they received Him, now listen to this, when they received Him, when they, now they cried out in fear, granted, but when they realized it was Him, it said they gladly received Him into the ship, and as soon as He stepped foot in the ship, the ship was translated, it was zoom, it went to the other side. The first, the first motorboat. Amen. Man, I mean, his, I don't know if Jesus' other foot was on there and took off, or I don't know what happened, but, but something happened and that ship ended up on the seashore where, where Jesus told him to go to the first place. Now listen. If you will respond supernaturally instead of naturally to circumstances, then heaven will respond supernaturally to your circumstance. In other words, when when you're in the middle of a storm and Jesus has said, go to the other side, instead of saying, oh, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, we stand up and say, no, I'm going to the other side because Jesus told me to. That's not the natural thing to do. But that supernatural step takes us in a supernatural direction which brings supernatural from heaven to earth. And the next thing we know, we're we're on the seashore where He told us to go. Now, let's, let's bring this back. Let's bring this a little bit closer. We can say it like this how do, how, do, how do you learn to walk in the supernatural? How do you learn to pull the resources of heaven down into our lives? When somebody, when somebody is standing in front of you, or somebody is talking about you, somebody is, you know, they curse you, or they, they're, they're doing, you know, like maybe it's at your job, or maybe it's your family, maybe it's, you know, I, I don't care who it is. But somebody somebody is, you know, says something negative about you and you have you have an option. Do I respond to that naturally or supernaturally? Yeah. Do I do I give them a piece of my mind and tell them what I really think? <laughs> or do I respond like Jesus would respond and walk in love toward that situation? Because here I guarantee you this if you respond in the flesh, you're going to get flesh. But if somebody's cussing you, and you walk in love toward that person, you know what it's going to do? The supernatural. Now, it may not dis- diffuse the situation immediately, but I promise you this, that person will walk away thinking, there's something different about that, that person. Yeah. The supernatural will come in, and it will bring that rest, and that peace, and that wisdom, and that, that joy, that acting, that just because you, act, because you responded supernaturally instead of naturally. Come on, when you get when you get a pain in your body, when you get a pain in your body, instead of instead of immediately responding naturally, respond supernaturally. Jesus, you said you said in your word. The first, I, I've told this story many times. The first time I ever heard Brother Hagen, you know, he, he gave this story, and I still remember it. Brother Hagin talked about, he said, you know, he said, uh, he, he would always use this, he'd always say, you know, you can't get a Corvette on Pinto faith. <laughs> so, in other words, if all you got faith for is a Ford Pinto, you ain't going to get a Corvette on that Pinto faith. Amen. But Brother Hagin would always say this. He'd always put it this way. He'd say, and some of y'all don't even know what a pinto is, do you? I mean, some of y'all probably ain't ever seen a Ford Pinto. But <laughs> but 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 Brother Hagin would say this. He'd say, he'd say, you know, but here's here's the here's the thing about faith. You gotta start where you are. And he he would say, you know, Brother Hagin you use the example. He'd say, if you if you get up in the middle of the night and stub your toe, he said, instead of running to the medicine cabinet, you know, to get a to get an aspirin or a Tylenol, believe God. The next time you get a headache, instead of instead of immediately running to to do what you've always done, God, I invite you into this situation right now. Lord, I I I thank you that your word says that that by your stripes I'm healed. And now, Lord, this is attacking me, Father, right now. In the name of Jesus, I just receive my healing. And you see, all of a sudden, you invited Him to come in. And now God can do a supernatural thing versus just when you take a Tylenol, basically you're waiting on the Tylenol to take effect. You know... um, There's, there's so many times, guys, we, we have so many opportunities to invite the supernatural into our lives, and we miss it all the time. I'll say it this way. We're in the middle of our trouble. We're in the middle of our pain. We're in the middle of our, of our distress. And we let Jesus just walk right on by without saying anything. Jesus would have passed them by. Why? He had already given them direction. Well, why would Jesus pass me by if I'm hurting? Because He's already told you by His stripes you're healed. He wants us. He wants us to learn the. He wants just like just like He said here in Mark. He said He said the reason they were in that shape was because they their heart was hardened and they hadn't learned the the, the principle of the the miracle of the the loaves, which was just simply this when God gives you direction, he empowers you to do it. God told them to go to the other side, so they had everything in them they needed to get to the other side, regardless of what the storm or what the sea threw at them. And you see, when they when you when you respond naturally, you're going to get natural. When you respond supernaturally, or and that, don't let that word throw you, when you when you just invite God to come into your situation, there you go. then God can bring the supernatural in where where you've always been depending on just the natural. Does that make sense? Yeah. Don't let the words, don't let that word supernatural throw you. Just I'll start saying it like that. Let's just invite God to come into our situations. Let's invite Him to come into where we are today. Don't let Him pass you by. When when you're in the middle of the storm, invite Him to come onto the ship so you can get to the other side. When you're in the middle of your hardest pain, invite Him to come in so that that pain will leave in the name of Jesus. When you're in your toughest battle, invite Him to come fight with you and come fight for you so that you can win the victory because He says you're always victorious through Jesus Christ. we have to learn to start responding and inviting Him to come into every area of our lives. Instead of always responding naturally, always just doing the natural thing, always just doing, doing what the doctor said, doing what the bank said, doing what the family said, doing what appeases people just so to don't rock the boat. And then wondering why God's not involved in it. Because we're sitting here, we're sitting looking over here while He's walking right by us. And it's not that he doesn't care, it's that he's already empowered you. he's already given you everything you need to be a success. and he expects you to do something. He expects you well and really I'll just I'll put it this way, what he's looking for is an invitation He's looking for you to say, "Jesus, get on boat, get on, get on the boat here with me. I've, I've played with this long enough. Jesus, come on, jump on here so we get to where you told me we're going to go. Man, I've played with this sickness long enough. Jesus, just come on and just, just join in with me here and take care of this instead of me trying to do it myself. Man, this, this financial need I've had, man, I, I, Jesus, you know I've worked 15, 15 jobs trying to get this paid off. Now, I just invite you to come and, and help me get this taken care of. Amen. And see, because when you invite Him, when you receive Him, when you willingly receive him into your boat. John says immediately that boat was on the on on the shore where they were going. Another example, I'll just tell you the story, but you know the story Paul and Silas, they were they were in jail. The natural thing to do if you're in jail is what? To start crying. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> you know, I don't deserve to be here. You know, you're wanting to find somebody to tell that you don't deserve to be there. You know, I was framed. I was. This is not my fault. You know, somebody else's fault. You're wanting somebody to listen to you. But you know what Paul and Silas did? Because because they literally had no fault. They were just they were just serving God. They were doing what Jesus told them to do, and they got arrested, beat, put into put into stocks, put into chains hung like a like a prisoner, you know, what I mean, just there with their hands probably above them and their feet on in the stocks and and just in the worst conditions you could think of. And what does the Bible say they did? They said at midnight they were crying they were crying saying oh poor us. No, it says at midnight, it says they lifted up their voice and they were praising God. Now is that the natural thing to do? In a, in a situation like that, what were they doing? They were, they were inviting Jesus to come in. They were inviting God to come into their situation. They weren't doing the natural thing about pouting and being sorry, feeling sorry for themselves. And, oh, well, you know, that, that's the last time I'll ever serve that Jesus, you know. Man, they got, look where he got me. No, they started praising Him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I know, you, you know, I know you're a good God. Thank you. I know you're going to protect us. You're going to get us out of this. Lord, I'm just so grateful, thankful. Thank you, Jesus, for everything. you. Thank you, Father, for being so good. Thank you for loving me, Father. In the middle, in the middle after they've been beat and, and in bonds, they're sitting there praising God, and they weren't doing it quietly. The Bible says they did it, and the other prisoners heard them. Well, then what happened? That invitation, that worship, that worship, when you worship God, remember one of those scriptures that we read that said that it said we come, come into his presence with singing. We come into his presence with thanksgiving. See, when we when we give thanks and when we sing praises to him, what does it do? It takes us into his presence. And when we get into his presence, what happens? And suddenly you start getting some suddenlies in your life. You start getting some butts in your life. This was happening, but God. It says, and suddenly there was an earthquake. And it, and every, and notice this. Now notice what notice what'll happen with this. It not only affects you, but notice that there, there suddenly affected everybody in the whole jail. Because every prisoner that was in that jail, their chains fell off. But now here's the difference. Check this out. Because what happened? The, the guard, when he saw that, the, that the, the prisoners had all come out of their cage, come out of their, their, their dungeons and cages or whatever, and that all of them were free, he put his sword to his throat and was getting ready to kill himself. Why? Because he knew that as soon as they got the first chance, they were running for it. And he was going to be held responsible. But what did Paul say? Paul said said, don't harm yourself. We are all here. You see, there were, there were probably some heathens in that place. There were probably some pretty bad people in that dungeon with Paul and Silas that night. But not one of them left. Why? Because there's something about when God does something suddenly. There's something about when the miraculous... There's something happens when the supernatural happens that just draws people. And every one of them stayed... And I guarantee you, every one of them walked out of that place that day born again. Because the jailer and his whole family got born again. And I almost guarantee you that every one of those prisoners were born again too. You see, Paul and Silas responded supernaturally. They invited God to come into their situation. And all of a sudden, it suddenly happened. I just, guys, I just want to encourage you this morning. Spend some time with God. This week, set some time apart. This afternoon, this evening, tomorrow, tomorrow, get up early, go to bed late, whatever it takes. Ask yourself how hungry am I for the things of God in my life? If I need healing in my body, how much time have I really spent praying? And how, how much time have I really spent in His presence just seeking wisdom and, and just asking, inviting Him to come into my life to change my life? And am I satisfied with the amount of time? And if you're satisfied with the amount of time you've been spending, then you know what? That's between you and the Lord. You know, I mean, if you, if you say, man, I've been spending three hours a day in the presence of the Lord, and I, I think that's enough. Well, that's between you and Him. I mean, I can't, I can't tell you what's right and wrong for you. But what I can tell you is this, I promise you, if you'll spend time with Him, it won't be wasted time. Because when you invite Him to come in, there's too much supernatural stuff happening for it to be wasted. Amen? Amen. So my my challenge to you today is just simply this, guys. I know I've talked a long time, but my challenge for you today is just simply this. Invite God to come in. Invite Him to come into your situation. Invite Him to come in. Invite Him to come on your ship so you can get to the other side. Spend time with Him. And when you spend time with Him, what what are the benefits? Come on, I I just gave you, I gave you like five today. But there's so many more. Fullness of joy. Not just a little bit, fullness of joy. Perfect peace. Wisdom. A re- just a, a flow of revelation. Come on. Who don't want that? Rest. You know, to learn, to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I mean, that's that's four I gave you this morning. And there's I mean, there's probably, I don't know, probably twenty more. I don't know, probably more than that. But spend time with him and, and just seek seek the Lord for yourself, because you know what i can't do I can't lay hands on you this morning and make that presence come. you know I spend time with him for me, and I, I pray while I'm there for you guys too, but you know the time I spend with him it, it's not it's not benefiting you as much as it is me now it does benefit you because I'm in his presence and, and getting wisdom and revelation for you guys too but what I'm saying is, don't, don't depend on me to go be in His presence for you. You have to do it yourself. And you can find time. There's not anybody that, that, that would say, I don't have the time to do that. Because you can find something to, to lay down, to put down, to stop, to get up, to go to bed, to do something. To say, you know what, I'll, I'll spend... Start out five minutes. Start out and say, Lord, I'll spend five extra minutes with you today. Is that too hard? Ten minutes, thirty minutes. Well, I mean, just find where, wherever you are. Just start. And I guarantee you this, you'll hear, you'll hear that sweet, sweet voice say, oh, I so enjoy that. Come back more often. Won't you spend some more time with me? Let me show you something else. Have you ever been around one of the people, kind of like what I'm doing right now, around one of the people that just, oh yeah, one more thing before I go. Oh yeah, oh, did I tell you this? Oh, wait, did I tell you this? That's the Holy Spirit when we get in His presence. Oh, just let me show you one more thing. Oh, come on, let me give you one more nugget. Oh, let me show you. Let me show you one more thing that's going to happen next week, so you'll be ready for it. And once you once you start experiencing that, are you kidding me? You'll be you'll be looking. I mean, you'll be you'll be throwing everything down. And say, man, I I I just got to make more time. <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not messing with all that other stuff, man. I found I found a I found a treasure trove you know and I'm going I'm I'm man I'm I'm going in all full force. Yeah. Amen. Bow your heads with me real quick. You. Hallelujah. Listen, the first the first step of this before we do anything else, the first step of this is you have to have a relationship with God. You have to you have to have invited Jesus to to be your personal savior and and without without a relationship with him, uh none of this will ever happen. But the great, thing, the great news is that that relationship is free and, and it's available to you today and it's the greatest thing that will ever happen to you. If, you. if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I'd love to introduce you to Him today because He's the greatest thing that could ever happen. If you're here today and you just say, Pastor, I don't know, I don't know Jesus as my Savior, but man, I want to find out more. I, I want what, you, what you've talked about today. Would you just slip your hand up, anybody at all? I just want to make sure that, that we're all Christians and, and we're all on the same page here. All right, I don't see any hands. Let's stand to our feet just for a moment. <clears throat> if you have a prayer need, I, I would love to pray with you today. If you, if, if you have a need whatsoever, Station, I would love to pray with you. Um, I so wish, guys, I so wish that I, could, that I could come up to every one of you and lay hands on you and, and just, and just and impart the hunger of God on the inside of you. But I can't do that for you. You know, the reality is this message today, you, it, it's, in your, it's in your court now. You know, it's in your hands. What you do with it is up to you. You can walk out of here and forget every word I said and not let it change you a bit. And you can live the life you've lived and, and keep, keep going down the path you're going down. Or you can walk out of here today saying, you know what, I'm going to find time to spend with Jesus. I'm going to find time to get in His presence. I'm going to find time to, to do whatever it takes so that, so that I can just get along with Him and, let Him let, and just get in His presence. And then listen and, and and just and just let him minister to you in that in that atmosphere. So so I you know, I can't lay hands on you and make that happen. It's a choice you have to make. But I am going to be praying for you this week. I'm going to pray that 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 the hunger on the inside of you, that the fire on the inside of you will burn will be so bright and be so strong that that you'll just have to say, you'll be like Jeremiah who says there was, there's a fire shut up in my bones. You know, I've got, to, I've got to tell somebody about it. I pray that that's the, that's the desire and the fire that lights on the inside of you today. That you'll just say, there's a fire on the inside of me to get to know God better. Mm-hmm. To have such a relationship with Him that, that I have perfect peace and that I have fullness of joy. And that I have wisdom and I have rest and I have all those things. Because the only place that all that's found is in His presence. Amen? So let me pray for you, and then we're going to go tonight, today, I mean, excuse me. <clears throat> Father, I just thank you for your word this morning, Father, and I thank you, Father, it just, uh, I pray it came out the way that you wanted it to come out, Lord. This, it, this is just so real to me, Father, this week as, as I've spent time with you, and, and Father, and, I, and I, heard, I heard your sweet voice just saying, Stephen, come, come spend some more time, come spend some more time with me. Father, my prayer is, is this today. That as each person that hears this message, that has heard this message today, that hears it on CD or on on the website, Father, my prayer is that that Father that the that the benefits of Your presence becomes a reality to them, Lord. That they start experiencing the fullness of joy, they start experiencing perfect peace, that is, they start experiencing that rest, they start experiencing the supernatural wisdom. And Father, that it it creates such a fire on the inside of them, that Lord, that that we're radically changed. Even as that song we sung this morning, Father says, Jesus changes everything. Because Jesus, you do change everything. And spending time in your presence changes everything as well. So I pray, bless